Hello and welcome on Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's as most Evan Sadran, joined my co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSadran. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Also, make sure for our Locked On Suns Twitter page, you are already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support of it there is very much appreciated, as always. And we're joining you today in our Wednesday episode, Brendan, to talk about Devin Booker. This will be all about Devin Booker, actually, because we're going to be checking on his all-star stats with his return. We have about – how much time's left in the all-star votes, Brendan? About two or three weeks? Yeah, not too long. It's it's wrapping up. So And then and then about a month, month and a day until the all-star game. Yeah, we're going to talk right here, right now, about the all-star break and or his all-star status, really, if the possibility is even there because he's missed already 13 games. But we're also going to talk in our second segment about how he stacks up against the Western Conference guards and other guards around the league, like Bradley Beal, for example. And also talk about his recent shooting slump from three, where he's shooting a career low 32% from three. So, Brennan, you have the ballot pulled up right now. What's the latest update as far as Devin Booker and his all-star status? Yeah, not great. I think we anyone who's seen this knows by now, but he's far behind the pack, just 310,000 votes. And, not, and this is just a fan vote, you know, so... He's, he's just not up there in terms of the popularity. And I think that has a lot to do with just uh, the, I think the fan vote is one area where, you know, obviously I'm sure a lot of Phoenix fans are, are voting for him, but around the league, you know, there's not a lot of guys that are fan, fans of guys who just don't win and, and aren't on TV a lot. And that's unfortunately where Booker is. So he's just ninth among guards, um, 310,000 votes just above Chris Paul. This is from six days ago. So uh, things have changed a little bit, but this is the last release. And for perspective, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, who has not played, of course, this year, is only 34,000 votes behind Booker. So it's just not pretty for for Book this year. And I mean, you tell me, is that surprising to you? I think it almost felt like between the injuries and everything that's gone on for him this year, it, it almost feels like he was closer last season. Oh, that's for sure. He, he's putting up more like monstrous numbers this year. It's been like one or two good performances. I'm not saying Booker's been bad or anything like that. He's been consistently good, but not like these superstar moments, you know, like outside of the Memphis game and the Dallas game. And there really hasn't been much after that and maybe the Orlando game. But overall, this is really this is surprising from a different vantage point, Brendan, because if you think about it, I mean, this is the fan voting for the All-Star game just – Think of how many years now there's been so much bad voting with that and just how weird it's been. I mean, even this year we have Derrick Rose as a top voter. Yeah. We have Wanda Ball ahead of Devin Booker. Like, I, I personally, I, I don't really vote for the All-Star game since I don't have media vote. I don't vote since I'm not a fan. So I just keep my own voice out of it here. But overall, I just think that they should do some sort of tweaking if you're Adam Silver in the Frost because I think 50% of the van, fan vote having that much say is a little bit too much. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's a, it's a tough thing because obviously the all-star game is only for fans for the most part, the actual game watching it and getting excited about it. The players rarely give it their all. I mean, they, they've tried to do stuff with the picking teams and uh, the rewards for winning and all that stuff. Like it's obviously they, they want it to be something that's actually enjoyable for everybody and fun, but for, for sure, this is a thing that, is just made for the fans. And uh, so from that perspective, I get letting the fans have a lot of say in who they want to watch. And, you know, we, we complain about stuff like, you know, Luka Doncic is at 2.2 million. 
he's uh, just below LeBron James in the front court players. And, and oh, it's it's not fair. Zaza Pachulia, another one a couple of years ago, like these guys have these international fan bases and they're always going to be near the top. Well, great. I mean, those if those international fans want to watch Luka Doncic, like great. I mean, if it's completely catastrophic <laughs> like it was with Zaza, like I, I think the league would step in and kind of take him out of the running or do what they needed to do. But um, I, I'm not actually opposed to the fans having so much of a say because I think for the most part, it kind of gets cleaned up by the time the coaches and players get a hold of it. And that's where I, I guess we should take it. I mean, it would take a real long shot for Booker to be rescued from the fan vote at this point. But I mean, do you think there's any possible thing he could do between now and when the voting closes to, it looks like it's through January 21st. Is that right? Yeah. Five days. <laughs> Can he do anything in the next two games to uh, take the, the players and coaches and demand their respect in the form of votes? Or is it pretty much lost for him? I think there's a 2% chance, 1% chance of this happening, but this is probably what it's going to take, to be honest, at this point. And that's scoring 40-plus on Kawhi Leonard in Toronto and then going for 71 in there Charlotte. We go. Yeah, that's what's going to have to happen. So Maybe he's got to break Kobe's. Maybe he's got to go for like 80-something points to really do it. Oh, man, just imagine just – yeah, really, that's the only chance he's going to have, Bernie, because if we're even just talking, taking the stats out of it, usually when you miss, unless you're just a, a pure superstar player like a Kobe Bryant or a LeBron James or a Stephen Curry, if you miss more than 10 games in the first half of the season and you're not even near like the elite level yet, you usually don't get in. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, for sure. I mean, that caveat you said is is where it is true, because unless you're just the guy that are the kind of guy that's just a shoe in. And it's kind of, it's just crazy. Dwayne Wade's up there again. He's, he's just never, I mean, he's, he's retiring, but like he would make the all-star game until he was 55 years old. I think if, if, if he stayed in the league, cause he's up there every year, no matter what above guys like Ben Simmons, Victor Oladipo, just ridiculous. But uh, LeBron has missed like 13, 14 games at this point. Russ is missed like eight, I think eight or nine. So these guys are, are missing games. It's just, their their track record is what is getting them in I think at this point and so you know maybe after a while it'll just kind of be undeniable I think Booker's just going to have to do even more than you would ever expect like just disgusting gaudy numbers to start a season maybe that comes next year obviously I know Suns fans hope it does but I think with his reputation and the Suns reputation really more than anything it's just going to be an uphill battle for him to even demand that respect because I think there's just a perception around the league that the the numbers are kind of empty. So whether that's true or not is obviously a debate for another time. But I think from the, in the eyes of fans across the country and players and coaches, it's just kind of reality right now. Yeah. The Suns are on pace for the fourth straight year. Now the every year in Booker's career to not finish with at least 25 or 25 or more wins. And that kind of says it's more of like a parallel of Kevin Love that's what happened with him in his first four or five years, and he didn't get the all-star love because of that. I think that's what ha- what's happening with Booker, too. But let me ask that one quick question to you before we go on our second segment with comparisons with Booker and talking about just the win-loss factor with this. I think really Booker's at a disadvantage until the Suns who even are at an average state as far as a win-loss record goes. I think that – I mean, that's, that's a good comp. I think the Kevin Love one isn't one that I've thought of just because – 
probably they just don't play the same position and they're just not in my mind the same way. But I think that's a pretty solid um, comparison to make, just putting up numbers, but having just that overwhelming reputation of your franchise not being able to get out of its own way. And I think that's holding holding Booker back in the same way that it did for Love. Obviously, we know Love went on to make several all-star games in a row after being kept out for so long. But it's funny, there's really not even another guy like that now in the league. There's not a player that's out of the running that should be up there aside from Booker. And I think it's fair to say like his injuries and he hasn't had his usual numbers to start this season. So I don't really, I'm not advocating that he even should be there. I don't think he's performed up to his standard yet, but there's really not even anyone else like in the entire league where you look at and and compare him now. So you do almost have to go back to somebody like love just because it is kind of so really like a once in a generation guy. And and we'll see where it goes for Booker. Obviously we all kind of hope that his play gets the right reputation as the Suns win, but uh, not this year. It doesn't seem like it. Before we go on to our next segment, you're comparing Booker this year to other guards around the league. I want to tell you guys really quickly about our Locked on NBA Twitter account. If you're not already doing so, go and follow at Locked on NBA Net. Brent and I both follow it. If you're not already doing so, please go and do it because you have not only me and Brent synced on there with our Twitter accounts, giving you guys the best Phoenix coverage out there, but we're also having all of our great podcast hosts and all of our great writers around the Locked On Podcast Network have all our Twitter accounts synced up in one place from all 30 NBA teams. We have all 30 covered for you guys every day, every hour pretty much. You have something on that timeline every minute because there's so much guys on the staff now nowadays. So if you're not already doing so, go on Twitter and follow at Locked On NBA Net for the best NBA coverage out there. I want to also tell you guys about Homie. Homie is a fantastic way to save money. When you're buying or selling a house, the main problem you come across is just the needless fees and hassle along the way. Homie is here to completely change that process. They're here to save you thousands of dollars. Now, that might sound far-fetched. I mean, these guys have not only a team of of realtors and agents to help you and an interface that's easy to use, but they really, really do prioritize saving you every penny they can. They sell any priced home for the same low cost of just $199 to list and $1,299 at close. That means that on average, on average, homie customers save over $10,000. These guys recently sold a million-dollar home in record time and saved that homeowner over $60,000 in commission. So not only do you save money every step of the way, but you can also qualify for a $5,000 buyer refund to help with closing costs when you complete your purchase. So you can see Homie is making it a priority to save you money. What we're going to do here at Locked On Suns to get you even more money off and make this home buying or selling process even easier is to get you one extra $100 off that listing fee. So instead of $199, it'll be just $99 to list your house at Homie by calling this number. That's 602-892-3335 to list your house at Homie for just $99. Again, that's 602-892-3335. All right, so I suggested this second segment of kind of finding a new comp almost for Booker because I feel like we've been using that that James Harden one. And I think for the purposes of, of looking at the Suns roster construction, it's still pretty valuable. I think that's the right way to think about things, getting wings, getting a big man that can finish like Houston has done. But I think... Looking at what Harden has done, 
he's separating himself from anybody in NBA history. And I think not only is it uh, just tough to even hold Booker to that standard of what could end up being at the end of this year, a two time MVP, but I think it's also, uh, it's holding us back from properly understanding Booker's kind of context and, and, finding a a, ben, a baseline, a benchmark for his play. So I wanted to go through and see kind of who else we could compare Booker to as he moves through his his fourth season here. So um, who are the kind of other guys that you look at around the league and feel like, I mean, Jonathan Charks, people should go read an article he wrote about guys that could eventually follow in Harden's footsteps of just jacking threes and getting to the line and taking efficiency from a scoring perspective just to a whole nother level. But who are the other guys you look at that kind of fit that mold in the league? I feel like right now, as far as production and as far as long-term potential, as far as the next one to three years, I'm just going to scope it on that. I feel like Devin Booker is more and more looking like Bradley Beal. And if you pull up their stats head-to-head comparison this year, remember Beal's 25, Booker's only 22. They're both averaging 24 points. Booker's averaging seven assists. Beal's at five. They're both averaging near the, the same amount of steals, the same amount of rebounds and really almost the exact same amount of field goal attempts and shooting percentage across the board. So I didn't want to take this more deeper than I thought it would be, but I think this is a good question to ask, Brandon. Do you think Booker is more – I know he's on a max contract, but do you think this team still needs like a true number one next to him? Because Beal, as we know, is more comfortable as a number two, but now with John Wall being out, he's more of a one and flourishing. But – what do you think about just the prospects of Booker as like a, a Beal type as like an elite number two guy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think Beal's exactly the guy that I was thinking of just because I think he kind of introduces a lot of the same questions that we talk about when we discuss Booker. It's, it's not just um, the one versus two idea. It's, it's really like role and, and what situations is this guy most comfortable in? Is he going to be best in and it's tough to say because, like you said, I mean, the Wizards made the playoffs several years in a row despite locker room problems, chemistry problems that were in the, you know, in the tabloids, if you will. Like, they were pretty common knowledge. Those guys did not get along with each other, and they still made it work for several years with Beal playing that that B role or that second fiddle role. But this this month, seven games in January with, with John Wall out for the year, Beal's averaging 31.3 points, 5.4 rebounds, 6.9 assists, and he's shooting 44% from three, 81% from the line, 48% from the field. That sounds a whole lot like the guy we have in Phoenix. Yeah, I don't want to, I'm not going to keep continuing on this certain angle I'm going to bring up here, but man, that'd be a fun guy to trade for if you're Phoenix as far as Bradley Beal goes. I think that would work really well with Booker. The more I Yeah, think it would, but I think he's showing the Wizards like, I can lead a team without anybody. So get rid of everyone else. Keep me here and I'll keep doing this, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And also, I mean, I wanted to ask you just a few quick rapid fire comparisons because it's more it's like, who would you prefer right now? Because if we're looking about, about five or six guys in this conversation, I'm going to bring up here alongside Booker, James Harden can stay out. Like he's, he's like an all time guy now, in my opinion, as far as scorers go and no one's on his level right now, but yeah, really quick on Harden, just to put, put it in a little, just one number to put in context. I'll bring up this number for Booker in a minute, but uh, James Harden's attempted 477 uh, pull up threes this year. Just insane. Wow. He's almost twice the next highest guy and that's Kemba at 256. So he's almost doubled up the next highest guy. He's almost shot 500 just pure pull-up threes. That doesn't include catch and shoot. So 
it's just another stratosphere. But I want to I want to go rapid fire through these guys because I think it's interesting. All righty, let's go first here with the most controversial one, thanks to NBA Twitter last summer. Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker? Yes. Uh, I think it's it's Booker right now. I think uh, the 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 Mitchell train has kind of parked itself off to the side, and it's a little quieter. I think than than it was last year. I mean, we'll see. I think the playoffs will be a real test for him because that's where he his weaknesses kind of showed last year, going ISO and trying to carry that Jazz offense. But it's been a real not necessarily even a step back, kind of just a step sideways for him. And with the jazz struggling more than they did last year, it's really showed up. I think he's in a similar, similar spot as Booker is in his career right now, just um, has maybe a little more support around him and amazing defense. But I think it's another guy where you kind of wonder like, can he just put up numbers or is this a guy who really can be the leader of an efficient offense? And that question hasn't been answered. I think Booker's just done it for longer. So I prefer Booker. Yeah. I'm right there with you too. I would take Booker as well. And, do you look at Mitchell's advanced metrics across the board? They've taken massive dives as far as shooting efficiency goes and also advanced metrics in the offensive box plus minus. He has a negative offensive box plus minus so far this year. And ironically, he has the same warp as Devin Booker, but Booker hasn't beat really cleanly as far as PER and true shooting percentage goes really across the board and other advanced metrics too. But next person, I feel like this is a pretty easy one, Brendan, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, I think um... – Booker, just the fact that he can shoot threes, like regardless of anything else, obviously DeRozan deserves a lot of respect for being on so many winning teams. Not being able to cut it in the playoffs is one thing. Booker's even a far cry from that at this point in his career. But I think overall you'd expect Booker to have a better career than DeRozan. I mean, I think if he he can't be a more efficient, productive scorer than DeRozan, then something went pretty wrong because I think he has a lot more upside there than even DeRozan. Yeah, I think this is pretty easy for me. I, Booker, I mean, you look at DeRozan, he's 29, Booker's 22, and DeRozan still can't shoot from the outside, and Booker's one of the best in the league. So pretty easy for me. It's Devin Booker. Next one on the list, It's this is actually a pretty tough one, in my opinion, as far as right now. Victor Oladipo. Ooh, it's Oladipo. I think the two-way the two way potential there is what what's Oladipo apart one of the best tools guys in the league last year. I don't know where he ranks this year, but he's just tenacious defensively. We saw that last night when Indiana beat Phoenix. I just think going to a new team, really leading the Pacers last year, leading them again this year and being pretty successful doing it, not really missing a beat and fulfilling that potential on both ends of the ball. It is close. I agree with you because I think Booker, it's another guy. Booker probably has a considerable more, uh, scoring upside but i just think we're seeing oladipo do it right now and he's a consistent player on defense and those two things put him pretty actually i like a a pretty good step above booker for me at least at this point all right we have two more on this list as far as playmakers or combo guards go and the other one for me damian lord i think is pretty cleanly above devin booker but his teammates you don't call him brennan Ooh, that that's that's a good one i think that's a pretty close one too where Obviously, the Blazers are pretty good, but it's another guy kind of like Beal where we've never really even seen McCollum since Lillard is healthy every year. We've never really seen McCollum have to do it on his own, but you feel like maybe he could. Um, Then again, you see what he does as the second option there, and it's been a pretty good recipe for success. I think he's pretty similar to Booker. Um, I I maybe just feel like because we, we know Booker has that playmaking in him and can really be the, the dominant playmaker. I would put him above, but that one's pretty tight. And that might be, uh, I might be, I don't know if a lot of people would agree with me there. What do you think with McCollum? 
No, I actually am going to disagree with you. I would go with Booker over McCollum just because the age factor and also just the growth in the playmaking. 34% assist rate for Booker right now on the higher usage. Also, he's one of the best as far as plus minus goes, offensive plus minus on ESPN's real plus minus metric. McCollum's really taken a dive this year. I think really if Portland ever gets out of it and they want to read to, I think McCollum's their best trade ship. But I forgot to get my answer for Victor Oladipo, by the way. And really quickly for him, I think I would go Oladipo over Booker just because, like you said, the defense and the overall growth we've seen from Booker as far or excuse from Oladipo as far as shooting goes and his playmaking this year, especially. I think he's a guy slightly above Booker right now. But one more person, this could be actually controversial, Brendan. So I'm giving you a heads up. But Luka Doncic. Oh, I knew I, I wasn't going to do it, but I'm, I'm glad you did. I just, I can't, I can't even uh, bring this upon myself again. Although I do want to say that before the season, I did put Luca above Booker when we did that ranking with Nick Engstad of uh, Locked On Mavs. So that's looking pretty good right now because that guy's having. Trust me, Suns Reddit knows all, knew all about. Oh, they that. know. Well, they they uh, they're angry about everything, so that's fine. But I think. Um, it's looking good now. I mean, Luca, like he's having a better rookie season than Booker. Obviously we know the circumstances are drastically different. Booker wasn't even on the ball until there were about 20 games left in the season. So give it time. I understand that, but, um, I might go with Luca just because he's younger and we, we were seeing it sooner in his career than we did with Booker. But again, that's a tough one. And I think, you know, Booker does Booker. That's one of the only guys Booker actually does have more of a track record than even though he's only in his fourth season, but Luca just being a rookie, we're, we're talking about Mitchell taking a step sideways, not looking as good. Luca's a guy that could easily do that. You know, we don't know right now. Yeah, it's a really good point you bring up there. And the, trust me, I, I went with Booker at, earlier in the season with you guys on the podcast. I'm going to stay with Booker, but that gap has really closed as far as because Luca's been really dominant. But give me another year or so to see if this Luca if he keeps keep, keeps going up as far as the mountain, as far as superstar goes, if he keeps really going and getting better the next year, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably switch at that point. But I want to see Booker around some more better talent next year. And also Luke at the same time too, to really see who is the better player. But anything else as far as any other comparisons you want to hit on before we go on our final topic? No, I, I wanted to, to bring up Clay Thompson, but I don't think that one's really a comparison right now. I mean, I think it, until Booker takes a step on defense and turns that shot, which we're about to talk about in our last segment here, into a much more consistent, versatile threat, I, I just don't think that comp is really even realistic. Um, he has a far way to go to match Clay as a shooter, and we know the defense is ways a ways away. So it, it's something where, you know, if Booker takes on a, a far different role later in his career, maybe it is sort of there, but I think that's a realistic offensive comp for him. If he does kind of play off ball more as he gets more talent around him. But before we talk about that shooting and what's kind of gone wrong for Booker this year, and if there's any chance it gets better, or if it's just a cold streak, I want to tell you guys about the locked on NBA show. It's our national show here on the locked on podcast network. It's the same format that you're used to here. Just bite-sized shows about 30 minutes every day delivered right to you about the previous night's games, the best storylines. We have experts from across the country, Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, Sam Amick of The Athletic. Sam was on the show Monday with Wes Goldberg and David Rammel of Locked on Heat. They talked about the Dennis Smith Jr. rumors. That was pretty interesting from a Suns perspective. So definitely subscribe to Locked on NBA, get all of the best uh, news, recaps, analysis out there. And it's the same format you already love. 
Alrighty, let's go ahead and talk about the shooting because I think that's really the most interesting part of the season for Booker, aside from obviously the injuries. Um, just 32% from three right now, basically taking the same amount of attempts as he did last season, doing a lot of the same types of things, just nothing's going in for him. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mean to turn this segment into a bigger picture argument here, but I was really looking at his the difference between catch and shoot and pull up is really staggering for me, in my opinion, when you look at it. For sure. He's shooting almost three attempts on catch and shoot, 38% from catch and shoot. He's shooting four attempts per game for pull-ups. It's 28%. And that kind of shows when pull-up, it's mostly when you're on ball, like, like, like a James Harden. When you're catch and shoot, you're like a Clay Thompson running around screens. You don't know what pull-up, the difference between those two are for new, any new listeners or anyone that didn't know about that out there. Oh, they've, but, seen, they've seen Jake Luz explain it to them on the Fox Sports broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Sun's analytics for you. That's why we love it. But overall, what do you think about that difference? And it kind of screams to me just the long-term picture and short-term picture, Brendan that Booker functions better with a starting caliber point guard next to him. I, I mean, this is the D'Anthony Melton fan club over here with me and you, but I think they'd be naive not to keep looking at the deadline for like a, a Darren Collison type at a point guard that could really help Booker get back in that catch-and-shoot role where he thrives in. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a priority, if not for the health perspective, giving him a, a chance to really – um, dial back his usage a little bit and and kind of test that part of his game because as much as we can get excited about the playmaking and I, I do think his role ideally has much more playmaking than just you know catch and shoot off ball stand in the corner type of guy we know he's much better than that at this point but you also just need that balance on your team you know even the best scorers in the league you just need guys that can that can take a possession and and get a bucket for you I mean James Harden put up an MVP caliber season multiple years in a row and Houston still went out and got Chris Paul. It's just a reality right now with the way that you have to build a team, putting multiple ball handlers on the court and all that stuff. So I think it's exactly right that that, that number is, it, it can't, you can't just talk about Booker's three point shooting and say, Oh, he's having a low, a low year and off year he is. But at the same time, I mean, he, to put it in another, to put it another way, He's um, attempted 35 more pull-up attempts from three than than catch and shoot, but he's only made one more total. So he's 34 of 90 from from catching and shooting, 35 of 125 pulling up. So it's just drastically different for him. And unfortunately, it's even with Melton's development, even with some of the other guys on the roster starting to kind of get a little better, get a little more comfortable – it really, it's like, unless Josh Jackson is on the court, I don't really know another guy that's going to necessarily like drive and kick and set up Booker for an open three. There's really just not that kind of player. Melton, most of his assists are coming on lobs and transition buckets. You know, he's not really there yet either. So I do agree. I mean, not to make it a trade conversation, but this is just one more reason why it is important for them to go get someone that can handle the offense, run the run Igor's system and, and get Booker just easier shots because he's he's just been way off as far as efficiency goes this year compared to even what he's done in the past. Yeah, uh, just a quick aside there. As far as a, a person I prefer to deadline possibly, Mike Conley, if the Grizzlies keep sliding. I saw Zach Lowe tweet about that a couple of days ago. I think he'd be a great fit if he top three protect that pick with something else like a TJ Warren with that and Ryan Anderson's contract. I think that makes a lot of sense. But um Anyways, I wanted to talk more about the pull-ups because I feel like this ties in a little bit with the James Jones conversation we had for the bright side night last week. And you think more about it with the – this is part of the development, like him getting 
not like injured on purpose, but I mean, this usage load and how much he's getting used. Do you think him like developing this pull-up game is part of it? Because I don't remember him shooting this many pull-ups even through a 40-game sample and, and, an eight, and really any other 82-game sample any year prior. Yeah, I think it's one area where that Jonathan Sharks piece of kind of hardened setting a path for what guys are going to be able to kind of have the green light to do. I think he's he's really just changing how you look at a guard like Booker, like Doncic, like Bradley Beal, and kind of testing the limits of what those guys can really be efficient doing. And I think that's one area that just around the league, you're seeing more guys have the green light to take those bombs off the dribble. I mean, for a while, it was just so remarkable when you saw, you know, Steph, Harden, Lillard, Kemba take those kinds of shots. Oh my gosh, that's just such a high level of difficulty. How do they pull that off? And now you just, it's kind of at least one guy on every team is asked to do that. And Booker's clearly doing it more this year. And I think it's, it is part of kind of testing the limits of his game and trying to feel out what he really can do, what it, what a ceiling for him looks like. Um, and it's obviously helped. I mean, the offensive real plus minus you talked about, it's just crazy how much of a jump he's had. And that's not just shooting, but it's his overall impact on the team's offense. But it is just pretty incredible to see that that leap happen, even despite the kind of down year we've been talking about. And I think one big part of it, it, it isn't distance shooting, but it, it has to be mentioned here when you're talking about his overall kind of growth and progress as a player. He's shooting 62% at the rim, and that's held up all year. That was the one thing I've been talking about almost the entire time we've been doing this podcast is he needs to get better at the rim. If he's going to really become an efficient, well-rounded scorer. And he's doing that. He's in the 74th percentile, according to cleaning the glass. And um, that's held up all season. We're halfway through the year and it's still above 60%. And if he can keep doing that and that three point shooting starts to get a little better, if somebody can get him the ball in space, or if he just starts, you know, nailing those pull-ups even at a little better clip than, we're going to see, so we've t- been talking about this and I think we're still have our fingers crossed. We could see some big scoring nights from him before the year is over for sure. Yeah. Just putting the reference really quickly for that pull up metric. I was talking about Booker at 28%. Stephen Curry's at 45% just to put this, how elite like these kind of shooters are in the NBA, but b- back on Booker here and like the point used for up there, I think it's interesting is his overall growth uh, from a front office standpoint, Brent, I wanted to ask you this because if you're James Jones and Trevor Buckstein, and even Robert Sarver in the front office. What are you doing when you see Booker have this growth this year, even though once again he's in a really horrible situation for himself as far as developing with not really much talent around him outside of DeAndre and then maybe Uber and Josh X, Mikhail Bridges, just young, unproven guys yet on this level. What would you do as far as talent and what would you put around him this summer to help him improve even more? Because I think it is an off-shooting year for him. I think it's one of those off-shooting years we see from guys and I think next year it's going to be better. But he does need more spacing still. He does need more weapons around him. What would you do? This team is just inconsistent right now. I think the main thing you need to do is just get guys who who can fill a role, who know know their job. I mean, and it's not to – I think Igor's done a great job putting guys in places, in positions to succeed. I think Josh Jackson's a great example of that. TJ Warren, both of those guys kind of just getting a little more stable night to night, and that's – a lot of that falls on Igor. But I think you just need more guys – in that mold, you know, D'Anthony Melton, just not a consistent player. You don't know what you're getting out of him. Even scoring the ball, you you kind of do know what you're getting and it's just not enough. And I think, you know, you'll get more growth. Everybody on this roster is young, but I think you need a power forward that's going to be able to play on both sides of the ball um, 
provide a, a, a scoring threat. I mean, TJ Warren's doing that, but you just need some some more interior power on both sides of the ball, I think. Um, and then you, you, you know, the point guard, we've talked about it every day, basically. And, you know, we've hit it on it this show. I think even just a veteran guy, a stopgap piece, if you feel like Melton and Okobo are your future, um, we don't really, there's so many names that get tossed around in this discussion. I don't know if the Suns even know exactly what they want to do, but um, you need somebody there. If you go into another season after the growth bookers taken this year again, I just think it's it's kind of malpractice. So they they know what the road is ahead of them, and I think uh, it's not a, f- a roster that's terribly far away. I don't think you know seeing what Booker's been able to do and those advanced statistics, despite having again not a ton of talent around him, they just need to get more consistent. I think you know not just I'm not just saying veterans, but guys who who are proven. Even Kelly Oubre is not not 30. He's not. Or, or you know a sage wisdom guy that's going to come in and, and change your franchise but you just see the impact that his consistency every night has had yeah you bring up a good point there as far as malpractice it's a great way to put it if the suns don't really put a power forward or more backcourt weapons around booker at this point because like we mentioned he is taking some serious growth this year even in a bad situation again and even with the injuries but anything else you want to hit on today as far as booker and the progress or his black, his shooting ability or whatever else you want to hit on to them. I have one question. So you and Max of uh, the seven seconds or less or less pod, we did our season preview rapid fire predictions right before the year started. You both picked Booker to make the all-star team. I did not, not that I'm bragging. I obviously would love to have seen him have a better start to the year and get in there, but I just didn't think it would happen with the depth in the West. Would you, double down and and guess that he gets in there next year, assuming he doesn't this year, or do you hedge and say, okay, now I've seen how high of a, of a benchmark there is to get in and maybe take a step back and say, it'll be yet another season without this far away, another year, where would you go? Uh, I got to actually hedge my bets on a column I wrote last month about them being possible, the new Oklahoma city thunder that makes a sudden flip of the switch next year. So yeah, I think Booker will make the All-Star game next year. I think 27-5-7 is what I'm going to stick with. I predicted that for his stat line this year. He's slightly below that right now. But I think Sunderland, 27-28 points, 7-8 assists. He's going to really have a good year shooting the ball, I think, with another year and more talent around him. And I think the Suns could be, if, if all goes well, if all goes well, like I said in my column last month, you want to check it on Bright Side of the Sun about the Thunder comparison. They have to do the offseason perfectly, but if not, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. But they have to get really much good, better talent around him. I think it's possible, though. I do think yeah, it's possible. I think if, if, he, if he puts up a stat, a stat line like this, like he did, like uh, kind of a little better than the last two seasons, but even right in that range, but the Suns are winning more and he's healthy and more consistent, you know, putting, up, putting, putting in the same effort on defense, just kind of putting it all together and doing it every night and the Suns start to win, I think we could definitely see him in there. I mean, there's guys who will start to take a step back in the in the West, even though it seems so kind of daunting right now. Yeah, that's for sure. And really, the talent pool, like you mentioned there, they're all 27 to 30, really. Booker's 22, so that's a really great sign for his future as well. But that'll do it for today's podcast, guys. Appreciate you all listening in. And we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our Thursday night episode to recap the Suns' next game as they are in Toronto taking on Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, 
an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.